Amen. If you would stand in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord tonight. We're going to turn in Romans, Romans chapter 12. I'm going to be reading from the message translation in Romans chapter 12. What an honor it is to always be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And to be ministering in the house of the Lord tonight. And my goodness, if I were you, I would not envy me tonight at all. After the message we heard this morning by Brother Tess Stewart, that was an outstanding, outstanding word. Amen. If you were not here, I challenge you to get back on and listen to that. What an awesome, awesome service we had around here this morning. Romans chapter 12 in the message says, So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Tonight, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on this subject. Desperate to be separate. Desperate to be separate. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your touch that we feel. God, I pray that you would baptize me with Holy Ghost boldness tonight. God, to speak your word. God, your word is already anointed, God. But I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay. God, and that you would put a desire in each and every one of us. God, to be separated for a purpose. God, to be separated in an hour, oh God, where the world needs the real deal. God, they need more people shining your light and spreading your good news. I pray that you would open every ear and heart and soul in this place tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You can be seated tonight. Tonight, there will be children, literally of all ages, who will go door to door, knocking and receiving candy from someone where they will put in their bucket or their bag or even their pillowcase. They will then take the candy home. And they'll start eating some and going through some, and more times than not, They will have a dish, like the one before us tonight, where the bag is then dumped and everything gets piled in together. They have a dish where all the candy goes and it sits and while the snackers will come by from time to time filtering through each piece of candy because, let's be honest, some of them look sketchy and some of them we know we just don't like. But instead of sorting it, it just sits there all together until. 
But the problem is when the candy all becomes mixed together, it doesn't take very long before they all start tasting really weird. You been there? That snicker that that is wrapped and it's covered and you're thinking, there's no way that that dum-dum and that fireball penetrated this snicker wrapper and have manipulated the flavor of my snicker. It's only been in there for two days. But you take a bite of this snicker and it is not... The flavor that you were expecting. What has happened is there are some things that have been mingled together that have no business ever being mingled together. It should take some time for somebody to sit and separate some things and say, okay, well, this doesn't belong here with this because if I leave it long enough, it's going to start messing with the flavor. It's going to start messing with the way that I like it and I expect it. There is importance of separation. I'm not talking about division tonight. I'm not talking about dissension and segregation. I'm not talking about blacks over here and whites over here and Hispanics over here. I'm not talking about all the Democrats sit on this side and all the Republicans sit on this side. I'm not talking about all the vaccinated come to church and all the unvaccinated stay home. I'm not talking about all the money makers sit up front and all the poor folks can sit in the back. This is what the enemy would like to be done in church. This is what the enemy would like to see and said, let's just throw them all there together and let's just see what happens. Let's just watch and let's watch them eat each other. Let's watch them defeat one another. Let's watch them cause some dissension. The enemy knows good and well what his plan is. But thanks be to God that Romans 16 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Mark them and avoid them, is what Romans says. So the moment that you see that there is somebody that has come in and has started causing trouble and has started causing dissension and segregating and pushing you in this corner and you in that one, the Bible says you ought to mark them and avoid them. Well, but God said we have been set apart, but it's for a purpose. He said we are to be set apart to be holy. Deuteronomy 14 says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people. He has called you to be separate. He's called you to live your life differently than everyone else. You are set apart for a reason. You ought to be desperate to be separate. Second Corinthians 6 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Don't continue, one translation says, to team up with unbelievers in mismatched alliances. Be careful who you're allowing in your inner circle. Be careful who you're giving ear to. Be careful who you're allowing to sit at your table. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? 
And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? These things ought to be separate. They're not the same thing. They don't need to be mingled together. He said, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and they will walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Don't just separate yourself. Don't even touch it. Don't even look that way. Don't even become a part of it. Come out from among them. Separate yourself and say, I'm called to a different standard of living. I've got to live a little differently than you do. I've got to talk a little differently than you do. You don't understand. I know, but I don't want anything messing with this flavor that I'm going to present to God. I don't want anything penetrating this covering that I've got and ruining this product because it's not just for me here's what happens you may not identify with this one or that one you may not call yourself a snicker or a hershey or reese's you may not do that you may not consider yourself a dum-dum but over time if you spend enough time with dum-dums and you surround yourself with dum-dums Well, my friend, the writing is on the wall. I cannot leave myself in a position for me to touch any unclean thing. I can't be around those kind of people. I can't give myself an opportunity to do something dumb. I can't give myself an opportunity to mess up and make a mistake. I can't leave myself in a position to allow other influences around me to change my life. If you lose your savor, scripture says, you are good for nothing. If you lose that sensation, if you lose that thrill of that, that bite, that saltiness that, that gives that flavor, if you lose that, then you're good for nothing. If the flavor I am supposed to give has been tarnished, then what am I really doing with my life? The message says, let me tell you why you are here. You want to know why you're here? He said, you are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Woo! That'll hit you between the eyes. That if I lose my flavor, if I lose the very thing that was meant to be something in the earth, and I'm no longer contributing it, then I ought to end up in the garbage. So I was curious, how does salt lose its savor? And this is what I found. When it absorbs outside elements... And it eventually evaporates and leaves behind a substance that looks like salt, but does not taste like it. 
So not only does it completely lose its flavor, but it completely gets removed from the scene and something that looks like it shows up and disappoints everybody. You ought to be the salt of the earth because if you don't, you're going to be removed from the scene and somebody else is going to show up and they're going to start preaching and singing and worshiping, acting like they've got it together. And guess what? They don't have it either. That's what's happening in our world today is there's so many mega churches and campuses and we're having church Tuesday night at this place, Wednesday night at this place. And it looks great. It looks like salt. But the truth is the people that were supposed to be salt have not been stepping up. The people that were supposed to hold on to truth have been walking away and and leaving it on the side. And so other people have said, well, if they're going to leave it, I'm going to replace them and give an appearance so that people will come to church. God, help me. Help me tonight. I cannot afford to let any outside influence Get into my ear, get into my mind, my vision, my heart, my home. I cannot allow it. He would not warn us to be separate like he did if it were not so important. So many times in scriptures, he's trying to make it very clear. There's going to be false teachers. There's going to be false doctrine. There's going to be all kinds of trouble. There's going to be people preaching different gospel than us, a different Jesus than us. They're going to twist it. They're going to turn it all and mix it all up together. He said they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. He said, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. But there be some that trouble you. And would pervert the gospel. He said that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. He said neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions. First Timothy 4 says now the scripture. Now the spirit speaketh expressly. It makes it clear is what that means. That in the latter times some shall depart from their faith. Giving heed Making place, giving ear, letting them mingle to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. They'll allow it. They're going to allow them to come in and just find a place to be comfortable. They're going to allow them to find a place where they can be welcomed on a pew. They may even find their way into your heart and into your home. They're going to do everything they can. And there's going to come a point in the latter times that some shall depart from their faith, giving heed. They'll allow it. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Ephesians 4 says, don't give the slanderous accuser the devil. Don't give him a place. Don't give him an opportunity to manipulate you. Don't give him an opportunity that says, well, you know, you can come on and sit down and you don't, you can't stay, but you can come sit down and prop your feet up for a little while. Barclay said there are certain things which are fundamentally incompatible. No matter how hard you try, there's just some things that don't belong together. 
They're never meant to be brought together. It is impossible for the purity of the Christian and the pollution of the pagan to run in a double harness. You can't have it both ways. You can't have the purity and the pollution. Some things, no matter how hard you try, will not work out. Deuteronomy 10 says, don't plow with an ox and a donkey yoke together. My goodness, that would preach all in itself. You can't yoke an ox and a donkey because they're not the same. One of them literally is built to just push through everything. And one of them is quite stubborn. One of them doesn't want to do much work. One of them you've got to push and you've got to prod. And so what would end up happening, you'd have one ready to go, ready to pray, ready to worship, ready to have a move of God, while the other one's saying, no, I'm not ready to have a move of God. I'm not ready to pray. I'm not ready to worship. So even in the house of God, sometimes you've got to separate yourself from folks. If you're sitting by somebody that doesn't want to worship, you can worship anyhow, or you can say, hey, I plan on worshiping tonight, and I don't want you slowing me down and I got somewhere I got to be. I'm desperate to be separate tonight. I want to stand out. I want to do something for God. They have no business being linked up together. Leviticus 19 said, "Ye shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let the cattle gender with the diverse kind. Don't let them mix breed. Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed. Don't mix it up. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come in upon thee. Don't let things get mixed up. Don't let them be together. Romans 12 in our text. Be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word there for conformed means the outward form that varies from year to year and from day to day. Well, what's the culture doing today? What's the hot topics of today? What's the dress look like today? What kind of car should I drive today? And you see, this kind of mentality has no respecter of age. It has no respecter of who you are, what degree you have. They're just going to throw it out there and tell you this is what you're supposed to look like. This is how you're supposed to act. This is how you're supposed to live. And it doesn't matter if you're 17 or 70. You start buying into some of this and thinking, well, man, I'm missing out. I never had a car like that when I was 16. I never had a house like that when I was 20. I must be doing something wrong. And it creates this mindset. And a man is not the same when he's 17 as he is when he's 70. But the conformity here is talking to whatever I can do to get you to the place that I want you to get. No matter the age, I'm going to present that in a way you would want to become a part of it. It is continually altering. So Paul said, please do not try to match your life to all the fashions of this world. Don't be a chameleon that's trying to blend in with this crowd and then with this crowd and and then with this group and, and trying to make it all happen. 
It doesn't change with age. It doesn't go away with experience. But every day, no matter what season of life you are in, do not allow yourself to be changed to the world that is around you. Don't you try to change your customs. Don't try to change your walk with God. Don't try to change the way you have church because somebody else down the road may be doing it differently and they may be saying it doesn't take all of this and it doesn't take all of that. But I'm telling you tonight, it does take all of this and it does take all of that to be saved. Amen. Jesus had 12 disciples, but when he went to pray in the garden, he took three with him. But even from that point, he left those three and he went a little deeper. Sometimes you do have to separate yourself even from people that are close to you. Sometimes you do have to get all by yourself and say, I don't know what they're doing, but as for me, I've got some praying to do. I can't speak for my brother. They may sleep. They may let temptation come, but I can't do that right now. The hour's too late, and I have a job to do. I can't allow the influences of those around me to keep me from that mindset that I've got to be separate. John 17 references what we all know. We are not of the world. So the key is something we know, but do we apply it? Well, we know the key is to be in the world, but not of the world. So I'm just going to have to be really honest tonight. I see so many people having a really hard time figuring out how we are going to be in the world without letting the world be in us. That we're trying to insert ourselves and we're trying to go out there and make friends and make connections and, and have a relationship. And that's, that's great and that's wonderful and I understand your motives. But is it the way that God did it? Is it the way that Jesus intended it to be done? I see so many people that, well, I'm not going to do that, but I don't care if my spouse does this. Or I'm not going to live this way, but I don't care if my children do that. You know, that's their own life and they're going to do their own thing. And I I don't want it to be this way. And, And we've become so accepting because we've just been in the jar with everybody else for so long that I don't taste like I used to taste. I don't present myself the way I used to present myself. I don't walk the way that I once walked with the Lord. I don't pray like I once prayed. It's not because I did anything awful. It's not because I was this horrible sinner. It's because I am in a world that I rub shoulders with people every day that sometimes, just being honest, rub off on me a little bit. Sometimes the attitude that is out there can rub off on you. Don't tell me those spirits don't know how to move and operate and find you where you are. You know they do. Because you've, th- you've had things that you thought you were done struggling with 20 years ago. But sometimes they'll just creep up and bump you on your shoulder reminding you it's still there. That it knows right where you are. In an effort to be inclusive, we have allowed some things to enter the vessel. That have changed our environment. Well we want everybody to be a part. We want everybody to be included. We want everybody to have a place. Jesus walked through towns where there were people that stayed home and never saw him. Jesus went through cities and he said look there's going to be some places you're going to go and they're not going to accept you. 
they're not going to accept me. If they don't, you just shake off the dust from that city and you move on to the next one. Don't you get in a place, well, bless God, they're going to come to church and they're going to... It may not be their time. You may be knocking on the wrong neighbor's door. You may be persistent on this one. Oh, they're going to come to church and the people next to you are having prayer meeting like Cornelius. God, send somebody to come tell me about Jesus. Tell, send somebody to tell me what I need to do to be saved. While you may have rubbed off on them and they may have a, a Bible that you gave them and they may pray before their meals now. Don't tell me that they have not rubbed off on you. Sure, you're covered. I understand you would never allow that to happen. But my candy was covered too. The snicker that I thought I would enjoy was covered too. But because of the things around it and the environment that it was in, somehow the flavor of everything around it caught on to that snicker and it changed everything. It took on the likeness. It had a form of it. It happens without us even realizing what has happened. The only way to ensure that my life tastes like it's supposed to taste is to separate it from the rest. We have no intentions of embracing. We have no intentions to adopt and make it feel welcome. But like a stray cat, we have put the milk outside and said, well, it can come this far, but no more. But you see, the problem is now you have fed that stray cat. And you have given it a place where it feels comfortable. Maybe not quite in your house yet. But it feels comfortable enough to come to your door. And it keeps coming back and coming back. And Well, you fed me once. Surely they'll feed me again. Sure me they'll allow me to cozy up on their porch. Sure me they'll allow me to get by their children when they come outside to play. Surely I can just come and walk around the house for a little while. First Peter said, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, a ferocious cat, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. All he needs is an opportunity to get close enough where he can walk around and just scope you out. You can have your eye on him all you want to. I see you out there, cat. I see you, kitty. But if that cat lingers long enough and just sits there, then guess what? Oh, he ain't going to hurt anybody. He's been out there every day for a month. He, he hadn't done anything yet. He, he means no harm. Oh, yeah. He's waiting for the very moment that you're not paying attention and that you're not trying to separate yourself from it. And it's going to pounce on you until you are defeated. That is his intentions. So it is my desire tonight. I am desperate tonight to be separate. Delilah doesn't just strike on the first go. Delilah has you just sitting there lying on the lap day by day. And you've let it become comfortable. And it won't be long before your strength is gone, your vision is taken away, and even your life is lost because you were comfortable. Oh, but the Spirit moved on him. The Bible says that the Spirit moved on Samson. 
It said that God blessed him. When he was going to war, it said that the Spirit of God came mightily upon him. What a man of God. Oh, but given enough time, being in the same place with the wrong people at the wrong time can totally change the environment. Moses was born a Hebrew, but he was raised in a palace. And even after he decided things would be different, he decided to flee Pharaoh's home and refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and choose the affliction with God's people than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He did the right thing. He left and he moved on. Scripture says in Exodus 2 that the priest of Midian had seven daughters. He comes and helps feed the flock and takes care of them. And the daughters go back to dad and they say, Dad, there was this man there. And he was an Egyptian man. No, he was a Hebrew man. But he has spent the last however long in a place and an environment that has rubbed off on him. And now he walks like them, dresses like them, talks like them, and acts like them. They can't tell him apart from the Egyptians. And so they go tell their dad, it was an Egyptian that helped us. It was an Egyptian. You better be careful how you're rubbing shoulders with people. I fear the day that somebody just looks at us and we're just one of them. We're not any different. Oh yeah, that's just one of those Egyptians. That's just one of those people. They do the same thing we do. They, they go to church every once in a while and they pray and do all. But they're just like us. No, we're not just like them. We're not just like them. We may have been in the same place and we may have started to take on some of that. But that's why I'm desperate tonight to be separate and to say I've got to live my life a little different. I've got to step away from the scene for just a moment. But we feel like we have no options. We leave ourselves with two choices. A, I avoid the world because I'm I'm scared my pastor is going to chew me out if I'm hanging out with the wrong crowd. I'm scared Brother Landon's going to get up and preach about it on a Sunday night and tell me I'm hanging out with the wrong people. So I'm just going to avoid the world altogether because I don't want any of that stuff rubbing off on me. I don't want to slip up or that someone might see and, and, and misunderstand. Or option two, we embrace. And it becomes so accepting of it that we don't realize It has not been something we've accepted, but it has actually become something we have practiced and participated in. And you see, there is a grave danger in both of those options, but it is where we are. People feel like we either have to avoid or we have to embrace. Let me just go out and say it. A is never an option. Avoiding... The world is not going to happen. He left his throne to come to this world. He left where he was to come be a part of our life. And if he did that, then I'm not getting away by just, no, I'm going to leave them to their own. After the rejects were invited, he said, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. He said, for the son of man is come. To seek and to save which was lost. Matthew 10. I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. 
I know where you're going and I know the mission before you seems impossible. Be ye therefore wise as serpents then and harmless as doves. I understand that I'm sending you into a place that, that is out of your comfort zone. But you cannot avoid it. I'm sending you. I'm sending you into the very place that you probably have tried to avoid because you don't want to get too close to that fire because you're afraid you might not pull them out. You'll, they'll pull you in. And so you, you've been avoiding, but God said, no, I'm sending you to them. I'm sending you out there to those that are lost. I'm sending you out there to those that are sick. When Jesus himself was asked what he was doing, eating with the publicans and sinners, Jesus said, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I'm here for these people. So me avoiding them is not the answer. Me acting like my neighbor does not exist because they don't live like I live is not the way I'm going to win my neighbor. I'm not going to win them by walking into my house every day like, oh God, don't look at them. They got a TV in their garage. So are you saying I'm only left with accepting and embracing? Is that what you're telling me, Brother Landon, is if I don't avoid that the only thing left to do is I embrace? That's what our world has been polluted with. That's what some of these other churches have gotten a hold of is, well, I can't avoid it. I can't separate myself from them. I got to go out and I got to be their buddy. I got to hang out with them at the club to get them to come. I'll go to the club with you on Friday night if you'll come to church with me on Sunday. We'll have tailgating parties every day after church, before church. I don't, we can do it in church as long as we hear some of the preaching. It's happening. It's happening. They're embracing every mindset, everything that's on the news. Well, if we don't start accepting this and getting on board with them, then we're going to be on the news as, as these bigots and, and, and these people that are causing all these problems. But again, this is not and should never be an option. Don't live a life that would cause them to see you as not much different than them. Just because they are in famine does not mean you go take all the food in your fridge and throw it away. Well, I'm, I just, I don't want them to feel different than me. I don't want them to feel awkward that they're in a place where they need something and I don't. Joseph, you've got to keep all the extra because there's coming a day where everybody's going to be in famine and you're going to be the one that has what they need. You're going to be the one that's going to provide them with the necessary things for them and their family to make it. Don't sit there and say, well, I got to be there in famine. I'll be in famine. No, you don't go in famine because they're in famine. You keep what God gave you for them in this season. Scripture says all countries came in unto Egypt. To Joseph. To Joseph. Because he had everything that they were looking for. I've had some other things, Joseph. But to me, it tasted like everything else I've ever had. I've tasted some stuff, but it just... It had some weird flavors to it. I thought I got chocolate, but it had some sour apple undertones that are just throwing me off there a little bit. It had been mingled for so long that it just, it didn't settle right with me. I, I'm looking for something real. I'm looking for something dynamic that when I taste it, I know. That when I taste it, I can feel the difference. I can taste the savor and it does something to my soul. 
I've had other things that left me barren and empty. And it still left me hungry. You ought to be living a life that is way different than the way that they live. Don't allow an influence from an outside source to tarnish a God-given thing. You may have your candy dish just the way you want it. For scripture said there was a man that had sowed good seed. But when men were sleeping, the enemy came in. And he wasn't paying attention. And he says, well, let's see. They're not paying attention. I'm going to sneak some of that in there. While they're distracted and when they're not paying attention, I'm going to go put some other stuff in that vessel and allow some more things to start spoiling the savor. While men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. The enemy does not have to stay. He just has to mess with your stash. And if he puts it there, it will eventually find a place to grow. If you're not careful, you won't be just living in Sodom, but Sodom can start living in you. And it will be the thing that once you begin separating yourself from, you want to turn and look back upon. Your environment matters. Your friends matter. Your workplace matters. What you allow into your home matters. Second King says they followed vanity and became vain. They became what they were following. They became what they allowed to be in their circle. They allowed their environment to not only be their environment, but it became their identity. There were those in the Bible that didn't clear out the enemy. They not only allowed them to stay there living, they mingled themselves together with those people that were living. The children of Israel lost what should have been an easy battle because stuff got mingled that didn't belong. The Bible speaks of Achan. It says, Israel hath sinned and they also have transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and they've stolen it and disassembled also and they have put it even among their own stuff. They didn't separate it. They brought it and put it right in with everything else that we've got going on. And you are losing this battle because of stuff that you have mingled together with good godly things. That was never meant to be in your camp. That was never meant to be in your house. That was never meant to be in your heart. But you thought nobody's going to notice. It's in my home. It's in my tent. It's under a rug. It's in my closet. Nobody knows it's there. God said, I know it's there. And I'm telling you, you've got to separate the stuff. You've got to get it out here. And so that's exactly what God did. He said, I want you to get the families out here. We're going to start separating them. And then from there, we're going to separate the group from that family that that person was in. And so they get down. And don't you know, Achan was sitting there sweating bullets because he knew it was him that did it. And God said, no, we're, we're separating. I've got to deal with this right now. It ain't pretty. And there's some people 
people that are about to lose their life. But that's how serious I am about things being separate. That's how serious I am about this life that you are living. It's worth living for and it's worth dying over. I'm telling you, it's time to be separate. It's time to get some stuff out of the way and out of our life and say, okay, God, if this isn't the way to do it and this isn't the way to do it, then God, show me how to live in a way that I can be friends with my neighbor and I can be in the world but not of this world. Let's stand all over this house tonight. Brother Landon, what do we do? You gave me two options and you said both of them are bad. I feel that way sometimes. I felt like that a few years ago when we had... You say, well, I can't change the world's opinion. No, you probably can't. But the book of Acts spoke of some people that were unnamed and it said, and these were they which turn the world upside down. You may not can change their opinion, but you can change your world and turn it upside down. How? How am I going to do that? By living a life set apart unto a holy God. By living a life that is different. We don't flirt to convert. You say, well, how am I going to win them if I'm not their friends first? If I'm not powwowing with them and connecting with them? By living the life that God has called you to live. By living the way His Word tells you you ought to live. Not by sitting there and saying, well, I don't know about this and I don't know about... You will never get it. And you will always be torn between those two options until you embrace his truth and take it all in and say, okay, God, show me how to live. Teach me. Show me the way that you want me to love. And he did. He did. We read it in Mark chapter 2. That they who are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And he went forth again by the seaside, scripture says. And all the multitude resorted. It meant they kept following him. And he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom and said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Luke says that Levi left all, rose up and followed him. You don't have to live on the edge to win them. You don't have to go to the party just to be friends. We say all the time, well, Jesus ate with the publicans and sinners. That's our excuse to mingle with the world. Well, Jesus mingled with the publican. He had lunch with them. And Brother Landon, you sound like a Pharisee. Hold on. He didn't say, Levi, where are you going? I'm coming where you are. I know you're a troublemaker. I'm, I'm going to come hang out with you and then we'll go hang out at my place later. 
No, he went to where Levi was and he said, follow me. Follow me. There's a crowd of people that they've been following me, but I want you to follow me. He did eat with those public and sinners, but I want you to catch this. I've never seen this till a few months ago. And it came to pass that as Jesus said it, meet in his house, Levi's house. Well, I thought he wasn't following. How did this all work out? Because when Levi was willing to leave all and follow him, he said, all right, now I can come to your house. Now I can come sit at your table. I couldn't get caught up in all of that before, but now, now that we're on the same page and I see your willingness to leave all and follow me, I'm willing to come sit at your table. Many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. There it is. But the scripture is not done. For there were many and they followed him. They followed him. He lived his life. Hmm. In such a way that those that were in the crowd, that's everything. That's everything. That's the answer to my prayers. That's the Savior of the world. That's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin in the world. That's Jesus. Yeah, I'm a publican. I'm a sinner. But I'm not expecting him to follow me. There's something about this man that's drawing me to him. He didn't show up at my table. He was sitting there at somebody else's table. And I showed up at that man's house because I heard that Jesus was there. I pray that there would be some people that would show up at this house. Because they heard that Jesus was here. I know Gabe. I know the life he used to live. But he started following Jesus. He started following Jesus and now he's here in this house. And I've seen the transformation power that God can do in him, in his life. I want to be a part of that same resurrecting power. You ought to live your life in such a way that they're not waiting on you to follow them, but they want to follow you. I want to do what Brother Minton's doing. I want to see Alexa at her workplace and I want to say, she's got something real and I want it. Whether you realize it or not, you are a walking review of Greater Life Church every time you step outside of these doors. And in a world where people are reading reviews, do I want to go eat at this place? Let me see how many stars it's got. Let me see how many reviews it's got. Have people enjoyed their experience there? 
You may not post on your Facebook about Greater Life Church. You may not comment. That's fine. But are you living your life in a way that when somebody else sees you, they say, I want to be a part of Greater Life Church. I want to be a part of what God is doing in this last hour. I see something special happening in them. And I want to be a part of it. No wonder Paul was able to say, be you followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. I see they have a different marriage than I have. What's different? I see they have a joy that nobody else has. I want it. This tastes a little different than my last experience at church. That's why the psalmist was able to say, oh, taste and see. I'm set apart for a reason. I live differently for a reason. You ought to tuck up, talk up Greater Life Church everywhere that you go and not be ashamed to step out. He said we are not to be hid but put on a candlestick. Why? So it gives light unto all that are in the house. So you could go out into a dark world and say, come on, come on, I know the way. Come on, I'll show you how to get to God. I'll show you how to get what I have. You want some of this light? I'll show you how to get it. I dress differently because I am different. I live different because I am different. I love different because I am different. I pray different because I am different. I walk different because I am different. I talk different because I am different. You want to know why I separate myself? Because God has been so good to me. I don't have to worry about it. I've just got to live my life in a way that others will look at me and say, I want that life. I want what they have. I want the marriage that they have. I want the joy that they have. I want the peace that they have. I want that kind of walk with God. And you're just living your life the way God intended every day. Now I understand. Now I get why I'm supposed to be separate. It's not so I look funny. It's not so I'm awkward. It's not so I feel like a minority out in the world. It's so that the world would look at me and say, Oh, there's something different about that one there's something special I want what they have and they are paying attention they know who you are maybe not everybody in your neighborhood maybe not everybody that you work with they may not know who you are but have they seen enough to be convinced of who he is Have you separated yourself enough that they could look and say, there is something special. There is something so dynamic. The way they talk in just normal conversation, it just stirs something inside of, that's what the anointing of the Holy Ghost will do. That's what a relationship with God will do. If you would allow yourself to get to that place where you say, God, I'm not torn between two opinions tonight. I don't have to embrace it. And I don't have to ignore it. All I've got to do is keep walking after you. Keep praying. Keep trusting in you. And God, I'm going to pass by somebody that's going to stop me. And I'm going to know right when it is. Come on. Come on. Follow me. Come on. I've got something you need. 
I've got something you, well, Brother Landon, I've tried before and I, I've went out there and I've, I've lived that way and it seemed like they were doing this. They may have been, but there was somebody else doing this. They were looking for you. Cornelius, when that door opened, he said, oh, I've been praying. I've been praying that God would send somebody to give me the truth. I've been praying that God would send the right man at the right time to save my family. And here you are. It wasn't God himself. It was the man of God that God had empowered to go be a light for him. There's people that are around you that you don't even know about because you've been looking for somebody else that's been going like this. But would you go out tomorrow and look for the one that's doing this and say, come on, come on, I've got something you want. I've got something you need. Come on, I invite everybody to the altar tonight that says, God, I want to separate myself. I'm allowed myself to get too comfortable in this world. I've allowed some other things to change my flavor. Oh God, and I'm afraid, God, that I have lost that savor, oh God, and that I might be considered useless and of no value. But God, tonight, I separate myself from the environment around me, from the negative critics, from the haters, from the doubters, from the negativity. God, even you yourself had to separate yourself from 12 men. God, you even separated yourself from your three. And you got to a place all by yourself. And you died out to this flesh. And you said, not my will, but thy will be done. I'm dying out to my old ways. I can't carry any of this with me. I can't go to the next level God needs me to go. If I'm in this vessel mixed up. God, help me to separate myself. Help me to live my life, oh God. Not as a chameleon trying to blend in with the world that is around me. But God, I pray that I would be set apart for a higher purpose. I pray for every child and young person. I pray for every person that has felt pressured to live a certain way and to dress a certain way and to act a certain way. I speak out against that spirit of this hour in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that we would walk in holiness. I pray that we would dress like we're saved. I pray that we would talk like we're saved. I pray that we would live like Greater Life Church is the best place to be every time the doors are open. That I lift up my Sunday school teachers. That I tell people what a great department they have. That I would tell others what a great group of young people we've got. God, that I would live my life the way you've called me to live it. And that others would see me. That they would see you in me, oh God. Oh God, I'm desperate to be separate tonight. God, so that I could be a light. God, so that others might find you, oh Lord.